Welcome back to the Venari podcast. Uh, I'm Gov Candola, and we're joined for this episode by Stephanie Loomis. Stephanie is the head of Ocean Freight Americas with Renus Logistics. Uh, they are a leading logistics company with operations in Europe, Asia, and across the Americas. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you very much, Gov, for having me. No, thank you for being on. And in today's episode, we're going to be looking into the ocean freight market, uh, discussing the current outlook uh, and also what we could possibly expect in the near future. Um, but to kick us off, Stephanie, it'd be great to understand you know, a bit more about Renus and obviously your position within the business as well. So, yeah, Renus is, as you said, a leading logistics provider uh, globally. We're actually a, just over a hundred year old company uh, headquartered in Hilton, Hilton uh, Germany. So, yes, very, very well known in Germany uh, and in Asia, our largest trade lane being that Far East. We're relatively new in the Americas. I, I jokingly tell people here we're probably the largest, greatest logistics provider you may have never heard of, but we're <laughs> hoping to change that soon. We opened here in uh, the U.S. and Canada in 2018, um, maybe not the best timing right before the pandemic, so we're sort of relaunching things uh, this year and hitting the ground very fast. We have moved into a large uh, sales force very quickly, ready to explode in growth and very excited to be here. Incredible. And you kind of, uh, you know, mentioned it slightly, a bit of a turbulent market to say the least. Uh, you know, after two years of sky high shipping container costs, uh, prices are returning to normal levels. Uh, but what is the current state uh, of the ocean freight market at the moment? Uneasy, um, trepidatious. I think anybody that knows the industry well knew that we were going to come back to some kind of normalcy from those sky high rates you were talking about and the craziness and the congestion, um, you know, the U S and, and Europe could only keep buying and buying and buying for so many, uh, you know, for so long, but I don't think anyone really expected that it was going to turn so quickly. Why that happened. Um, I mean, obviously there was an easing of congestion. The, the, the carriers had put, every lick of capacity they had into the market um, during the pandemic, obviously. So vessels that that had not sailed in a long time, some that probably were barely seaworthy, were being used to move containers. Because at one point, we had 15% of the capacity was locked up in congestion. Hmm. As that congestion eased, we started quickly to see that we, we actually had more capacity than volume, um, because obviously volume started to to decrease as economic conditions changed and there was fear of recession and inflation and uh, interest rates started to go up. And so people stopped purchasing quite as many goods as they were. So all of a sudden, pretty quickly, we had an overcapacity situation. So like any economic you know, supply and demand rule, when that happens, typically freight rates start to go down. Um, and they that they did. Um, and pretty, pretty aggressively on some on some trade lanes is what we're seeing now. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned, obviously, the rates um, going from obviously sky high to, you know, a lot lower now. But, you know, in your opinion, is the industry headed for a price war? I mean, this this has all the all the sniffings of, of, a, of a rate war, in my opinion, Um you know, interestingly enough, we also have the breakup of the 2M alliance, 
You have the two largest carriers in the world divorcing, which is never usually a, a happy thing. Um, they seem to be saying all the right things and spinning this, that this just makes sense. They're two very, very different carriers in, in what they want to be and what they want to do. Um, moving forward in the future, you know, especially with the with the MSC side of of the dynamic, this is now a carrier that has far and away the largest capacity in the market um, during a time when volumes are light and still declining. The first two months of this year, volumes were down twenty percent into the United States, which is is a lot. So, you know, some people believe that they could be, they could have been the instigators. The joke in the industry always was that these carriers were like dominoes, right? You know, if one goes, they all go. So, yeah. you know, it's very hard for a carrier to hold out when freight rates start to fall. And then, you know, in my 30 years of being in this business, I've seen this before. It, it often just takes a, almost like a life of its own. It's like a snowball racing down a hill and it's without them pulling enough capacity out of the market, there's just no way for them to stop the slide. And it's very hard for them to increase a rate when, you know, the market is the way that it is. And everybody knows there's, there's more capacity than volume. You know, one of the things, consumer pressure, you know, increasing environmental legislation and concerns about climate change are promoting a growing number of shippers to push, I would say, for emission reductions in their supply chain. Mm -hmm. But are we, you know, seeing the ocean carriers doing something to help push this forward? Well, I mean, the the new build, obviously, when, you know, they made a tremendous amount of money during the pandemic, and most of them have spent a good deal of those earnings on new vessels. And the vast majority of those new vessels are, you know, the state-of-the-art new kind of machines that can burn these these newer, more green fuels. So they're certainly doing their part. Um, okay. This is not something that can only be done by the carriers. Um, you know, this is a this is a global problem that will take work and initiatives from everyone from shippers to the port operations to countries coming together, you know, IMO 2023 was a good start. Um, but, you know, we have yet to really figure out, we're not sure where, where things are going to go yet. It's very, very early. Um, and then you have the forwarder side of it, which for the most part, I think forwarders, many of the big ones and Renus included are offering the ability to track your carbon footprint figure out, you know, offering some services that are carbon free. Um, we have an LCL service out of certain locations. Our intra-Asia is almost 100% carbon free if you want that. Um, but it, it's going to take, it's going to take some time. I think the carriers recognize that they're the, you know, they're the, the front end of this because um, obviously it's those ships that are burning the fuel. But yes, you're, you're right. More and more customers are starting to ask us about it make some demands on the industry about it. I think it depends on the size of the company, the types of commodities, you know, the even their customer base. You know, the younger the customer base, the more this is actually something they care about. Given, obviously, the turbulent state of the market, have you seen a decrease in talent looking to join the ocean freight vertical? I've always said that there's a lot of education that should be done in our industry, that... Mm. 
you know, like most, I fell into it. I had no idea what logistics was until I answered an ad in the paper, which that doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. And once I got into it, I absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, the intricacies and the complexities, there's never a dull moment, as we all know, when any of us that works in it. But I think we need to be better about getting our, you know, getting this industry out there. And I hate to say it, but I think the pandemic probably was the best thing that ever happened to supply chain and logistics as as far as a, a career and, and, a, and a job, because more and more people finally figured out, oh, that's what you do. You're involved in that mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we need, we need more talent that isn't necessarily the older talent that we're used to, you know, necessarily having a degree in supply chain or, um, you know, a lot of years of experience because so much is moving in the tech side of our business. We need more tech savvy um, employees and, and more people that think about things a little bit differently, I think, than the old guard. So I, I think, I think it's in a pretty good place, but I still think, we have more to do as an industry to get get ourselves out there as a as a you know a viable really good career option for for young people definitely i think being at the forefront of these sort of conversations the past couple of years is a, is a step in the right direction uh, and long may that continue but look stephanie thank you so much for you know sparing some of your time uh, to share some insights with us on the industry uh, i really appreciate it absolutely thanks for having me anytime gov <laughs>